0: Hi, I'm Mark Iskowitz, Executive Editor at MMM, and I want to welcome you all to this week's episode of the MMM Podcast, during which my intrepid co-host and I, Larry Dobrow, (laughs) Senior Editor of MMM, and I interview people of note in and around the world of healthcare marketing. Hey, Larry.
1: How you doing? I love being called intrepid.
0: Ah, good. Makes two of us. (laughs) And our guest today, all the way from Philadelphia, PA, is Tom Dudnick, President and Founder of Vivo Agency. Hey, Tom. Hi. How you doing?
1: Doing great. Thanks for being here. Thank you.
0: Thanks so much for coming in. We do appreciate it. And thanks for all of you out there for listening. I also want to thank our producer, Carrie Gavitt. We're live streaming uh, this, and the replay will be posted tomorrow to your podcasting service of choice. Dundik is a name you may have heard of, and... uh, but maybe not in this uh, capacity, we want to speak with Tom about such topics as how and why he started an agency that's separate from his father's agency, uh, which is quite well known in farm agency circles, as well as a topic that's near and dear to his heart, and that's the future of value-based reimbursement. And uh, But before we get to that, just a couple of housekeeping items. Um, Uh, I'm sure you've seen that our Top 40 Healthcare Transformers and Innovation Catalysts are online now. Uh, The full profiles will be going up May 1st, uh, so stay tuned for that. And uh, we also have the MMM Transforming Healthcare Conference coming up May 8th at Edison Ballroom in New York City. The agenda is up online and it's uh, pretty fully formed, so if you haven't had a chance to check that out, please do so, and um, it's pretty impressive. they dare say so myself so it's an please amazing consider.
1: Uh, you know, Mark, Mark booked a lot of the speakers so he can't really uh, pump, yes. pump it up but um, it's an incredible slate a bunch of extremely smart people that exist at the nexus of healthcare and technology. Um, you will be entertained, you will be informed. Uh, this is uh, going to be one of our good ones. Absolutely. I am a little biased, so, so thank you, Larry, for uh, reality checking me there.
0: <laughs> so, so that's our story. Uh, so, Tom, we um, have some, some questions for you here. Um, you know, as I mentioned at the, at the start of the podcast, uh, Dutnik is a name that's very well known in, in pharma circles, but you decided to go your own way.
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I guess when Mark and I were talking about this, you know, you have one of the famous agency names. Um, tell, tell us a little bit about the path you took up to the forming of uh, Vivo.
2: It's not just a famous agency name. I went through my whole life and never met another Dudnick. A famous (laughs) and rare. Yeah, it's a rare rare, name. So uh, that's another whole podcast. But, uh, you know, I I grew up with with Dudnick as the company, knew about it. My father owned it, ran it, had, you know, a management team that you're all probably familiar with that um, has become very well known in the space. For their brand of, of of advertising, and I went into a separate field of going into medical device sales, and so I did that for two for twelve years. Excuse me, in the OR, in the chemistry lab, in the radiology department, and then finally with the EMR, going across the entire healthcare organization and learning how care is actually delivered. So that's like the macro view. And that entire time, uh, I've got a nasty secret that's going to be, you know, let out on this podcast. I had nothing. As a sales rep, I had nothing. I didn't have a message. I didn't have a target. I had product information. And it was, here you go, go figure out how to sell it. And then you start to really sweat Mm -hmm. because you don't know your targets, what their needs are what's going to matter, what's not. So, but that certainly
1: mm-hmm. builds up survival skills. You've know, <laughs> yeah. got a couple pamphlets like, let's go do this thing. It's you know? more than
2: survival skills. My first <laughs> job was with a company called Striker, and whether you're aware yeah. of them or not.
1: Striker is in uh, my hometown uh, of Mawa, New Jersey. So, okay, wow. yeah. but, but what's, what's
2: unique about them <laughs> sure. is if you don't hit your quota in your first year, you're terminated. Mm-hmm. So there's tremendous pressure to become a great marketer if you're going to become a great wow. sales rep mm-hmm. at one of these companies. You have to figure out what motivates your target audience. So 12 years of doing that um, and making my own materials and handing them out to my own regions uh, instead of my own marketing department. um, Talked to my dad, saw the work that he was doing at Dudnick for other medical device companies and uh, I told him I felt that I could do better, and he said, "Well, then go out and do it yourself, then." In which case I did. So that's the that's the two three sentence.
1: What, what, was there ever any thought? I mean, Dunnick is so associated with rare diseases. Was there ever mm-hmm. any thought that you know maybe you would come in and start off an offshoot or anything along those lines?
2: Um, I, I think I think the the big difference is that if you look at a lot of the agencies in the space, they're great at the high level branding. Area of of, but when you get to multiple steps beneath that where the granularity has to really show itself and there has to be greater detail and direction for sales forces as well as as other forms of marketing um, they don't really want to do as much of that so this was really the white space that I saw I saw a whole Mm -hmm. business uh, that could just run wild if you were able to really service that level Mm -hmm. Um, doing it's another story uh, and that's why we don't have a lot of pure play companies agencies in this space that right. just do it Right, that's, and that's a, your
0: specialty that you're carving out. Is med- it's med all we device. do
2: So if you come to us with a drug, we'll turn it down. It's mm-hmm. not what we do. We're not built for it We don't have a team that specializes in it mm-hmm. um, this we call ourselves in the health tech industry and uh, you know Companies that are in this space They don't really have any agencies that know their business and and can really run with them. So they're very frustrated um, as, a, as a niche or as a vertical, I guess you could say, when it comes to the agency space.
1: I mean, in terms of just device only, man, there's obviously you. Um, there's Device Farm, and I believe they've recently changed their name and their branding. Uh, um, or, I mean, you, you have to think medical device is such a huge industry. Why has there not been more people flocking
2: to it? That's a great question, Larry. It's a great question. Um, I tell my uh, executive vice president, uh, Kristen Keller, on a daily basis The med device space for agencies is where agencies go and die Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it is so complex. Timelines are short, it's super technical. Mm -hmm. We don't market a pill, we market dozens of products for a company. We have to portfolio, we have to segment them. We have to really understand the sales process, which for one product that we're marketing right now has nine different target audiences. <laughs> um, and that's just one product in a sales bag. There are 30 other products in that bag. You unpeel this level of complexity, and if you're not built to unpack it and make sense of it, you're going to get steamrolled by it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, a number of companies come in and think it's a great vertical and quickly exit because of they see what's really in there. So mm-hmm. you have to mm-hmm. you have to be built for it. Right, you have to be built
0: for. it. And you guys, when you when you're pitching business out there, um, and you know you mention your name, um, you know some of us would say, "Oh, the doors swing wide open." You know, <laughs> the name like Dudnick. And I heard one. Wish one that was time, the case. Yeah. An analogy is that if you have a famous, you know, a father um, uh, or, or mother, it's like like have akin to having a lot of zeros. You know, but unless you put a one before that those zeros, it really doesn't mean much.
2: <laughs> Are you finding a similar? You know, or, or I've got the opposite, the opposite story, and that is, I don't think I've had a single door open because mm-hmm. of the last name, and I believe the reason is, is the med tech space is not pharma; they don't commingle, yeah, they not, don't There's go not in, a lot of interaction
1: mm-hmm. between rare diseases and. No, and, and they
2: <laughs> someone from a rare disease company will not go to a med tech company, and vice versa. They're mm-hmm. completely separate. Mm-hmm. So Dutnik might be a household name in the pharma space. It might as well be completely foreign in the med tech space. So I've yeah. you know, never yeah. had that that benefit that I would have liked to have. But <laughs> sure. what, what what is Yeah, oh, go ahead, Larry?
1: No, I'm sorry. I'm, was there was there a moment, you know, when, you know, you you started this company, was mm-hmm. there a moment where you kinda had that you know, the light bulb went off as like, we're getting it now. Where we're, we're was there kind of like that formative, you know, the, the one in the movie where the music swells and all of a sudden wow. you, know, you get that glint in your eye? Yeah, and- it's
2: a great question, Larry, and it's, it's the answer is not that sexy. Mm-hmm. Um, I came to this space with no marketing experience. So imagine opening an agency and never having worked for one and really understanding what an agency does. But you do know what good looks like, and you do have good instincts on what needs to be done. But you don't know what a positioning statement is and a value proposition and and multi-target messaging and all this. You know the concept, but you don't really know how to lead teams of people to do it. So the most basic fundamental things that most agency people take for granted – completely foreign to me when i started vivo so i think my learning cycle was longer than most in that uh you know i would say just within the last three years it started to really click and the the hard part is building the teams the people that get the space it's not pharma so if you bring pharma to med tech, you'll be one of those boats that's you know hit the rocks and had a lot of trouble it's a different animal so Mm -hmm. you have to build up and train your people to understand the nuances and differences and be sensitive to them Mm -hmm. that takes time so I'd say maybe three years ago it started to really click, and we've been uh, we've been really running since then. Uh,
1: for for somebody who potentially wants to come work for you, yeah, um, is it do you want somebody with some experience in the device space, or do you want someone who's a blank slate that you can train and say here is the way that we do it here, here's our kind of operating philosophy, or do you want maybe I don't know
2: somewhere in the middle? Yeah, I don't want to divulge secrets, but we've gone uh, we, we've gone through this journey on who where do we get the right employees from. And we looked at, I mean, you'd be surprised where we've gone. We started with pharma. We went to consumer. Mm-hmm. We went, you know, kids straight out of school. Mm-hmm. We went, um, you know, much more experienced people that know their space. And we've landed on this spot right now where we we like to get them with um, – uh, as little healthcare experience as possible and really train them up and expose them to more than what a traditional agency would um, at an earlier stage in their career. Mm-hmm. And you'd be shocked. They, they fly through the agency. Their growth rates are just super huge because they don't have to unlearn anything. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, you know, I'm, I'm 48 years old and I'm unlearning bad habits all the time. They don't have as much of that if you can start someone in the career younger. Mm-hmm, than mm-hmm, than someone yeah. who may have twenty years of experience, mm-hmm. the the industry is changing so much, so rapidly, so quickly, that you have to be super adept at being able to to change with it, or else you're gonna get you're gonna get whacked by it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Lot, We're the same age, but you have a lot less gray hairs than me. So you <laughs> must be doing something. Right. <laughs> On a podcast, so no one can see that. <laughs> yeah, and I've heard that notion before. of going right to the to the youngsters, you know, um, because it, you also have a, a good selling. Point in that, you know, you're saving lives potentially and you're really making an impact uh, Yeah, sort of this kind of work.
2: Uh, it, it, we don't really go there, to be quite frank. Mm-hmm. What we do is we like to be at the intersection of, of health and wellness and tech. And mm-hmm. that's where med tech mm-hmm. is turning into health tech. It's not just about curing people. It's about maintaining health. That's the okay. big right. way right. we're going to be able to... to, to um, deliver sustainable health care is by preventing a lot of the diseases that we have. So health tech is now the big catch all term for it. And that is just changing so rapidly with wearables and what's happening with diabetes and things like that. That um you know a lot of people are interested in going into it. And I think they're more interested maybe in that than marketing pills. Sure. So sure. we we have an easier opportunity to get talent, I think, than a lot of the farmers mm-hmm. do. I like um, how you define that, yeah.
1: Because of that trend, um, in, in a way, with would would that trend, you know, the fact that things are kind of moving in the area with connected devices, you know, with everything measurable, everything else. I mean, in a way, does that tempt you to want to expand your purview to go with it? Or is it like we have this one strength, you know, we're one of the very, very few agencies that does this and does it very well. Mm-hmm. You know, let's not stray too far from
2: our traditional base. We've not strayed at all. We've, we've stayed within but, the... It started devices and diagnostics, then it turned into med tech was the title. Uh Now we're calling it health tech, but it's the same thing. Uh It's devices, diagnostics, and healthcare IT, which is the software. Uh Now they just all come together and work together as one, connected devices which is what you just said interoperability interoperability it is i should be able to say a lot more easily but yeah yeah it is (laughs) it's not easy to say but that that is it so we have stayed pure to it and we we are going to we're not going to start you know with a rare disease division and a you know a pharma division and we're not going to do that Mm -hmm. we are are Mm -hmm. going to stick true to this Uh, the segment's huge gigantic Mm -hmm. so we see the opportunity in that absolutely
0: and um and you know, I like the way you define that, and I could see that sort of proposition being attractive to young people coming into the space. You know, it's now all about chronic disease, and, and the secret is helping maintain wellness and keep people out of the hospital before they even get sick. Um,
2: it their, is, their, their and, and um,
0: becomes acute or whatnot.
2: It is, and I, I can't speak for any of you, but I've I've just noticed in the last five years this amazing focus on individual wellness. So sure. um, I'm at a. I work out at a CrossFit, and people are you know, big into maintaining their health. But I bought a mattress, and I got a Sleep Number mattress, and. I go to my CrossFit, and three people there have Sleep Number mattresses, and <laughs> now we're sharing our our sleep scores, yeah. and it's like this is so corny. We're sharing how well we sleep, and we're competing based on who has a better night's sleep. <laughs> but, but, but this is this is what's going on in our day to day. Is right, is, right. is is um. <laughs> I walked more steps than you. I, I win. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. Five years ago, this was not the case. I don't think it was. Yeah. Right. You right. know, I just don't. So it's uh, it's a wave. It's hitting us all.
0: Mm-hmm. It's right. For better or
2: for worse, we're, we're we're much more measurable as a society these days. We are. We? Yeah. So last question on, on this not your father's done segment, but how does your dad <laughs> yeah. feel about what you're doing? Um, he's he's very supportive. He's been relatively hands off. Uh, he's an individual that has always his whole life looked at unmet market needs, always looked for niches that are underserved. And he got it right away. Yeah. So he saw the un- underserved space and was OK with taking someone that couldn't spell the word marketing and you know, start an agency within it. Uh, but that's how some of these entrepreneurs work. They see the opportunity and they they, they learn it as they go. So and he's so- either hoping to buy you out one day or hoping that, you'll, <laughs> that he'll work for you one day. Either but one will make him very proud. Put but- me in, son. I don't think he's going to work for me. Let's put it like that. I think my employees would be very happy if that was the case. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's switch gears a little bit. Uh, you know,
0: and, and we're you know talking about med tech uh, and devices Um and um, you know hospitals. Uh, you know, obviously, we're we're shifting in this country toward hospitals getting paid uh, based on uh, not the number of procedures that they do, but you know the efficacy of those procedures um, and and the value uh, of those procedures. And um, you know, over on the pharmaceutical side, um, you know, we've seen you know value based contracting between payers and and drug makers start to take root. Um, you know now you're seeing uh, PBMs getting into the act, uh, and the number of therapeutic categories in which you see those value-based deals starting starting to expand. Um, you know there's there's been some uh, coverage that uh, outcomes-based deals aren't delivering yet. Uh, on on their promise uh, of helping us facilitate this um, shift from fee for service toward value based care, uh, but you know you 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 have experience specifically in the orthopedic space and in the med tech surgical space. Yep. Uh, give, given your niche now, um, talk about how this trend is playing out in that space. What, what your observations? We are. are seeing
2: a remarkable phenomenon take place, and I believe that it's symptomatic and emblematic of what is to come that proverbial canary in the coal mine Mm -hmm. and in the orthopedic space what we're finding is uh, they get get reimbursed a flat twenty five thousand dollars for a hip or knee replacement for ninety days of care so it's not just a procedure it's how well do you walk ninety days after that do you get readmitted to the hospital well if you get readmitted the hospital has to pay for that you know the insurance company is not. If you you know go to the emergency department, the hospital has to pay for that. The insurance company does not. Now the the risk is on, the doctor and the and the hospital and the health system. So if they want to make any money, they've got to come in at under twenty five thousand dollars, and that's where their profit comes in. So what you would think is that they would slash and burn and eliminate every cost possible, in trying to deliver that. Um, that knee replacement or that hip replacement. And the crazy phenomenon is they're actually spending more money in areas that they didn't spend in the past. And I'll give you two examples. Uh, one of them, I can speak for pharma, is uh, there are a number of individuals that become hooked on opiates coming out of a knee or a hip replacement. And there are, are there's a lot of pressure on the orthopedic surgeons to have an opiate-free pain management protocol. So they're trying new drugs like iOvera or cold therapy in order to replace the cost of the opiate. Well, I'm here to tell you that costs a hell of a lot more than the opiate, okay? Mm -hmm. A hell of a lot more. Mm -hmm. So they're capitated. They can't charge more for it, yet they're spending a lot more for it. And that's the mindset that we're finding. We're finding that orthopedic surgeons and administrators are literally looking at every aspect of their clinical care model and turning it upside down. Reevaluating all of it and rebuilding it in this capitated value based model. Remember, we used to always talk about surgeons uh, oh, that are risk averse, they like to use the same things they've always used in the past. Not anymore. We're in a brave new world. Well, they will try almost, I don't want to say anything, but they will try a lot of new products that maybe don't have years of clinical data behind them in order to impact their clinical practice because they've mm-hmm. got this capitative reimbursement they've mm-hmm. got ahead. Mm-hmm. So it's it's um sometimes the financial incentives are the same. Yeah it does. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's turned them into entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. which is the craziest thing. We we interviewed a number of orthopedic surgeons a number of months ago and uh, we had we had new ones right out of school and they said no one told us that we were gonna be that we were gonna be entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. I thought I was going to be a surgeon. And that's not the case. So this is what you're seeing in orthopedics. It's happening everywhere within healthcare now, and mm-hmm. so all the clinical care models that have been in place for decades are now being reevaluated. It's very exciting, and new <laughs> things are happening on a daily basis. I think mm-hmm. we're going to have more advances in the next five years than we had in the last fifteen, hmm. as far as uh, patient outcomes are concerned.
0: And how do you think that's going to be sort of the canary in the coal mine for pharma, or you know, the rest of healthcare?
2: this is what it comes down to as a as a as a marketer representing pharma or as a marketer representing the health tech space you have to demonstrate how your product reduces the total cost of care mm-hmm. if you're not filling in that blank you're going to be paid as a commodity right. and we've got companies that we work with that are premium brands these are the the mercedes benz of the health tech space mm-hmm. Who are getting destroyed because they can't connect their premium cost to a lower total cost outcome? Mm-hmm. Can't mm-hmm. make the connection. Yes. So no one's going to pay them for it. Mm-hmm. So in order for them to get business, they get paid as a commodity,
1: mm-hmm. which
2: is gutting their margins and creating complete havoc mm-hmm. on their business. Right, driving down that so It's just killing it. So it's you know champagne taste beer budget. That's what you're. That's what you're seeing, mm-hmm. and um, it's causing a lot of trouble. Farmers going to have to connect the price of what it's got to a lower total cost of care. That's sure. the connection that must be made mm-hmm. or else they won't get paid what they want to get paid.
0: So you, th- you think, in this case, MedTech
1: is further along? I do, I do.
2: And the talk that we're hearing is now it's going to move to cardiac surgery. Uh-huh. So, Which I would
1: imagine is one of the areas that's probably, I mean, cardiac, orthopedic, I mean, these yeah. are the areas where you want it to be. Into.
2: So you bring that up, Larry. From, from what I understand, orthopedic, Knee and hip replacements are the number one procedure by cost by Medicare. Mm -hmm. So they tackled it first and capitated it. Mm -hmm. And they're making hundreds of millions of dollars in savings with no negative adverse events to the outcome. Whoa, check that out. Oh, yeah, Kind of thing you take around to be like, see, see, see. <laughs> <laughs> so let's connect dots. Uh, we know it's going to be coming to other other areas. Mm-hmm. And that's why I call this the canary in the coal mine. It's mm-hmm. sure. now going to be coming to, we think, cardiac surgery is going to be mm-hmm. next.
0: So are you working on behalf of the health systems, the device makers, or both? And then how do you help them make that um, economic value argument?
2: It's a great question. I'm happy you asked it. We, we work with the device manufacturers. And... The struggle that they're having is they're under pressure to reduce the cost of their device below a point that they want to sell it. And what we try to get them to be able to articulate is your device at its cost reduces the overall cost of care. So if the device you replace is $300, but your device is $800, but you but you reduce the total cost of care by $6,000. You've gotta be able to make that connection and be able to market that. Mm-hmm. And that's the big that's the big hurdle that they're trying to get over right now. Mm-hmm. And they're not sure how to do that. So um, you have to you've gotta own your data, you gotta follow patients for ninety days, and you have mm-hmm. to be able to connect the usage of your product with a cheaper, better outcome. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that, that mm-hmm. device makers have to do now. So how, how's that impacting your marketing? Well, the, the, the key, well, it changes the way they engage, it changes the way they market. It's turning our clients into IT companies. Mm-hmm. They now have to have IT systems that track patients and the total costs. Which, else, which
1: to be fair, they probably could have seen that coming they could have. 10 years ago. They I could think. have. Yeah.
2: But everyone's turning into an EMR company today. It's just, mm-hmm. it's amazing because you have to have the data to connect to your product um, to prove that it's better. So mm-hmm. uh, we call it an integrated solution sale. And that is, don't sell your widget, sell your solution. Mm -hmm. And that's everything that you have working together as one. And all of that has to be anchored and levered to a better clinical and financial outcome. Mm -hmm. It's not Mm -hmm. how a lot of these companies think. Mm -hmm. They just like to say, you know, a couple features and benefits with this new generation 5 device and buy it. And they're finding out that that doesn't work anymore. Right. In value-based care, that dog doesn't hunt. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's a lot of cold water being splashed on people's faces. Sure, it's, a it know, is, it's a reality check. Uh, it is, it's a reality check. It's a
0: transformation. So are you, are you finding that you know databases like EHR uh, data, uh, databases from uh, certain third-party uh, data vendors, um, claims uh, databases are coming in handy here in order to make those economic uh, value arguments
2: the, the the same as they are in pharma the companies that we're working with are going even further they're actually buying IT companies and mm-hmm. selling a software package just to track their patients
1: mm-hmm.
2: so it's um, you know it's, it's it's very interesting bundled solution but at the end of the day it's a bundled reimbursement 25000 um, dollars it's not as far Far throw for the device companies to go at risk on the product,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and say if you have a great outcome, you pay me twelve hundred dollars. If you have a bad outcome, you pay me two hundred, and mm-hmm. the data will prove it. Mm-hmm. So we're not that far; we're very close. And right. um, uh, I think it's just a we're more like months away than years away mm-hmm. from this happening.
1: You know, obviously we're talking apples and oranges here, but um, what can pharma companies, what can sellers of drugs learn from the transition that's going on?
2: I think you have to take a more holistic look at your customer and their world and what they're trying to accomplish. And they are trying to reduce the cost of care. It's, it's unsustainable. The prices are runaway trains, completely unsustainable. Um, I, I'm sure you're all following Medicare for all debate, which if it happens will probably bankrupt a quarter of all the hospitals in the country. Right. Okay? Right.
0: That's what
2: they're saying. Yeah. So, if you're a hospital, especially the, the rule. Yeah. yeah. So, what are you doing right now? If you're a hospital, the number one thing you're doing right now is you're looking at every dime being spent and trying to figure out how to cut your costs, just in prep of what's to come. So, if you can't, if uh, the pharma companies are going to have to look at the disease state, the management of it, and what they can do beyond the pill to better manage these patients holistically to reduce the total cost burden. Mm-hmm. That the hospitals have to deal with, and the insurers have to deal with. Right. I don't think you can just create a pill and, and throw it put out, it out there, there into the world, and it, it works. I mean, come on, it's worked for a long time, but I'm, I'm not so sure that that's our future.
0: Right, right, and um, you know we've uh, we've seen um, some examples um, of the greater marketing opportunity that that's um, kind of enabled by real world evidence. Just recently, um, the, the Pfizer med Ibrance uh, cancer medication that increased its label, expanded its label, um, thanks to, um, real world evidence, uh, in the form of EHR data and some IQV, IQVIA data, uh, and I think Flatiron health data. Um, so, um, this opens up a real marketing opportunity to expand the label for on market drugs. In addition to helping, um, You know the aforementioned uh, surgeons uh, and hospitals to um, do have get a better deal under their capitated rates.
2: Think it's a quid pro quo. Expand the label. Assume more financial risk is what they're going to have to do. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, and I think they're afraid to expand the label um, for going down that path of assuming more financial risk. So, at the end of the day, it's going to have to happen. Uh, We speak with hospital administrators routinely, and. They are formulating plans to lower the boom on their vendors, and they are got strategies in place to weed out those who are value, and those who are commodities. And if you're in that commodity bucket, there's going to be a can of wool ass coming your way, and the the C-suite is is uh, guarding for battle with their with their suppliers. It's going to be coming very shortly. So sure. This is the you know pace of change, and this is something that agencies need to be aware of. You
0: Absolutely. know when they're sitting down with clients. You know if you're sitting down with two agencies that are pitching you on business, and one is aware of this cost pressure, and the other one is, is yep. sort of pitching a lot of you know uh, high price tactics. Who are you going to go with?
2: If you're marketing to how healthcare was last year, you're screwed. You have to be marketing to where healthcare is going. You have to be talking the narrative of the target audience and where they're trying to take it. That's where you have to provide the context or understand the context in order to represent your customers from a marketing perspective. Mm -hmm. And that's the big risk that agencies take if they get too siloed and internal. Just look at themselves and don't see what's happening out there on the customer side. uh, You can fall prey to that. Sure. Sure. Right. In the, in the
1: conversations that you have with both existing and prospective clients, mm-hmm. um, do, you, do you find that you're preaching? Do you find that they get it do you, or do you find that there's a little bit of like, well, it's worked for us pretty well so far and <laughs> dot, dot, dot. You
2: know. That's a great question, Larry. I mean, I'm having deja vu uh, as you say that. Um, I was in Texas last month and that's exactly what they said. You know, this model we've had for the last 30 years has served us well. We're not going to go away from it. OK, fine. Um, yeah. We'll see where you are in five years. But just last week, we had a we had a company call us about outsourcing their entire marketing department to Vivo. Hmm. The whole thing. So this isn't you're going to be our agency. This is we want to outsource the whole marketing department to Vivo, mm-hmm. something that's never happened before in, in my experience. And that is because of the change required to market to this new world order that's happening in mm-hmm. our space. Um, would probably be done quicker if you had a change agent uh working for you as, a, as an agency and that's kind of what we are we're sure. kind of more of that change agent we appeal more to those who want to move forward rather than those who want to adhere to the past well thank you for that potential
1: lead to your uh, top 100 agency profile right <laughs> yeah. there that, that, that's a, you know we won't, we won't forget anything like that um, yeah. yes. but uh, we will definitely follow
2: up there's
0: big business in transformation
1: for
2: there, sure. is, yes, uh, there is there is transformation is a huge word i think you nailed it with the topic And I don't think enough people are talking about it. And it's happening on the client side. It's happening on the provider side. Um, The client side transformation is unbelievable, guys. You wouldn't believe how much of it's happening. Companies are being turned upside down reorging in order to figure out how to streamline and engage in a more value-added way. You don't hear about it because they keep it quiet. Mm-hmm. Oh, man when you're in the thick of it and see what's happening it's 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 structural and pervasive and wide sure it really is and uh, so um uh, great great choice of words for that because great. it's it's, it's appropriate
0: really appropriate more to talk about at our may 8th conference uh, transforming healthcare put in mm-hmm. one more plug for that where we're going to have a session on the future of value-based reimbursement and we have um you know uh Uh, Managed care, managed markets experts from Novartis, from Dexcom, uh, and from Acelity, Mm -hmm. um, orthopedic, surgical. client-sider, uh, head of sales, uh, coming as well. Um, so we'll talk more about this topic there. Uh, we're also going to be doing a, a mini roundtable on uh, real-world evidence and the marketing opportunities uh, therein. Uh, so uh, that's my final plug for the conference. Right. <laughs> uh, please go online and, and uh, consider registering for that.
2: Mark, that might be a, a conference you have every single year for the next 10 years. I yeah. mean, it's it's going to be completely relevant. You know, moving forward, I think. I it's think. going to be a long process. It yeah. is. It's going to be a journey. Yeah, it a felt like
0: five, four or five years ago we were kind of a little ahead of
1: our time. Mm-hmm. But now it feels like maybe it's, uh, it's we're sort of seeing stride it. a little yeah. bit more. We're seeing, it's seeing a degree of momentum, you know, within the space, the larger space that, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of cool to watch. Yeah. Those spurring innovation.
0: People, people were talking about, oh,
1: this idea has
0: the potential to be transformative. Well, now we're seeing these types of things in action. And now um, it's kind of a sign of the evolution,
2: I think. So,
1: all right. We're yeah. Should we move to the uh, speed round? A couple last questions for you.
2: Yeah, oh, sure. I hope I have answers for you. All right. So,
1: um, we wanted to ask you this question because yeah. we think you're the only person we might have in here who has an answer of somebody that sat at the breakfast table with him.
2: But um, who is your marketing role model? Who's my marketing role model? It's interesting. Um, I'd have to say my marketing role model was actually not a marketer. It was a it was a head of sales. Mm-hmm. And when you work for a software company, you have to remember. Um, you don't have anything that you're showing. There's no product. It's just, it's an idea. And so uh, one of my sales managers was really oriented me that the secret sauce is orienting yourself to the customer. And if you're able to do that, you will always find the light on what to say and to whom. So uh, I think that's probably my, um, can't give, give him by name, but uh, that was one of my early, early touch points mm-hmm. that had a lot to do with me. Um what, what do you
1: read every day to stay most informed to stay on top of things not only within specifically what you're
2: doing but also in kind of a larger picture sense Uh well I I've, I've kind of got a problem in that I I can't I can't stop reading things so <laughs> That's uh, a good problem to have. I must read 3 hours a day of stuff and it's it's really starting to hurt my productivity in a big way now oh, yeah. So I'm having to figure out how to pair this back but we've got all these channels and all this content is out there and it's all at our fingertips there's no reason to to not be on top of your game today there's just no reason not to so um, you know I try to always connect the dots and see where everything's going and remain relevant and uh, stay as educated and never stop learning right
1: stay educated yeah last one for you Uh, five years from now uh, where's Vivo Um, how big are you uh are you in other offices i mean what what's the uh, what's the future port- path
2: that's a great question i i wouldn't i wouldn't classify it as as how many offices or how big you are but what type of work are you doing mm-hmm. and we really want to be partnered with clients and helping to change their organizations to provide greater value to their customers. Uh, not just a bunch of artists and writers who make nice pictures and snazzy mm-hmm. headlines and make everybody feel good. that That is critical. You have to do that. But we want to really be helping to structurally change how healthcare is being delivered by helping the companies that help the people who do it. and And that's kind of where we've been engaging more and more each year in a non-traditional um, the agency role of, you know, do all the marketing, do all the advertising, everything you would normally do. But now can you help the rest of our team do this on a day-to-day mm-hmm. basis? Which is kind of kind of um, kind of out there doing a lot of that. And so wanna keep doing that and and uh, be moving further and further and deeper and deeper into companies to help them transform.
1: Right. Thank you so much for coming down and spending a couple minutes with us here yeah, today. Really yeah, appreciate thank you so it so much.
0: Appreciate it. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well we're gonna we're gonna call it there. Um, Again, um, everybody, thank, thanks, Tom, for joining us today. Uh, thank you, everybody out there for listening. Um, you can uh, subscribe to us uh, on SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, we're actually heavily in um, agency 100 uh, land now. Um, So we'll be writing those profiles over the next couple months to produce our July issue. Uh, And as I mentioned, our Transformers content will be coming out May 1st. So be sure to stay tuned for that. All right, everybody. Thanks again for spending some time with us this afternoon and enjoy the rest of your day. We'll see you next time.